Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Again, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. And uh, we want to welcome you, guests. Thank you for joining us. I see several of you that I, we haven't seen in a long time. So it's good to see you, and I hope that you enjoy the service this morning. We are, as I stated, continuing in on the series. Uh, I, I guess we're kind of transitioning where we're entitling it, You Are the Church. But it says this, After World War II, a group of German students volunteered to help rebuild an English cathedral that had been severely damaged by German bombs. As work progressed, they became concerned about a large statue of Jesus, whose arms were outstretched and beneath which was the inscription, Come unto me. They had particular difficulty trying to restore the hands, which had been completely destroyed. After much discussion, they decided to let the hands remain missing and change the inscription, To Christ has no hands but ours. Today we begin, as I stated, the second part of a series where we're looking at you are the church, where we're going to be looking at how God has gifted us upon coming to know Him as Savior. And how He desires to use you and I as His hands and as His feet into the community, into the world in which we live. Ephesians chapter 2 is a very familiar passage of scripture, verses number 8 and 9, it says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is by God's grace and through faith that we have been saved, or maybe you sit here this morning searching after and seeking after God, of which you would be saved through grace and through faith. But it is that exact grace and that, and that faith which would enable us to grow and to understand the way and the manner in which God has gifted and God has designed us to serve Him and to, to be a part of His body. We would have been given the gifts by grace and we would accept them by faith and use them for God's glory that God could bless in a wonderful way. Our goal in this series is pretty simple really and said as we teach in this manner that we would have a better understanding of the gifts that God has given to us and that we would use them for God that he would bless you as an individual that he would bless our church and that we would understand that let me kind of preface that I'm not asking that God would bless you financially that I'm not it's not prosperity in that regard but that we as we know God there's an amazing blessing in that period And so that God would be a blessing. And I'm not saying that, that as we serve, that God would just give us an abundance of people. That's not the point either. Again, it's to know God, and the blessing that we receive is just knowing Him. I shared that last week just a little bit. I think it was last week where I talked about my wife a little bit. Some of the greatest joy is just knowing her. It's to be with her. There's things that come with that that are amazing. The greatest blessing is just to know her. And so as we look at that, it's the greatest blessing of knowing God. And so as we look at these different things, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. Uh, We're going to bounce around a little bit as, as we look at some of the different gifts. But at the beginning of Romans 12, 
It says this, it says in verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, it says that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only as a living sacrifice can we be what God desires for us to be. I'm going to say that again. Only... As a living sacrifice, can we genuinely be who God has for us to be? Not until I die to myself can I fully be used by God. Not until I die to myself, I surrender myself, that I would be that living sacrifice. That He would do what He desires to do in us. That He would prove what is that perfect will of God, is what it says. Devotion to the Lord and active faithful ministry for Him are inseparable. We cannot be truly sacrificed to Him and be inactive in His work. And on the other hand, we cannot be truly successful in His work without being genuinely devoted to Him. Service to God brings honor to Him and blessing for us only when it is in the outflow of our worship and offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Such commitment naturally and inevitably produces effective ministry. There is no godly commitment without God-blessed ministry and no God-blessed ministry without godly commitment. As we look at all of these thoughts this morning and as we look at the, the gifts that God has given to us over the next three weeks, starting today, we'll be looking at nine of the different spiritual gifts that God has given to us. I'm going to take three each, each week, and we're going to, I'm going to kind of teach through some of this time. And if you've been around, you're probably not going to see me jumping around screaming and yelling as I'm going to be doing more teaching. And some of you may be excited about that. Others of you might uh, miss out on some of that. I don't know. But, so it's going to be a little bit different in nature as it's going to be more teaching and more giving some, some basic things as to how we are wired in that regard. But as we go through these, without genuine selfless commitment to Him, we not only lose the desire and forfeit the power needed to serve Him effectively, but also will never experience what God has indeed intended for us to do when our gifts and calling are used to the fullest. Without genuine selfless commitment to Him, we lose the desire, we also forfeit the power, to serve Him effectively, but also will never experience what God has intended for us. Listen, a part of this series that we've been looking at is that we would truly uh, dive into what the church is, that we are the church, but then that we would look at our lives and say, God, where and how can you use me? That I would be selfless and give of myself to, to be used. That song said, I give myself away. That you would use me. This life is not my own. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says what? That I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I give. And so we look at that. I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer me. You see this flesh, but it should not be me. It should be God living in me. God says that we become a new creature or creation as we come to know him. That He makes us whole. That He makes us new inside. We are are a new person. The old has passed away. 
all things become new. And as we look at that, there's a selflessness that has to come in serving God and knowing Him. And the more that we grow in Him, the more that we can begin to understand the gifts that God has given to us and how we are wired to serve Him. Some of you may sit here and you may say, I've, I, I really don't fully know the gifts and I really don't fully understand them. And that is okay. That is just fine. That's why we're doing this. I believe that so many of us sit in the churches today having come to know Christ, having been baptized, and then somebody said, hey, you know what? I think you should be an usher. And you're like, oh, I can do that. You know what? I think you could be a greeter. You'd be a great greeter. Oh, I can do that. And oftentimes that's where it ends. I've been an usher for 35 years. And for the last 15, I've been a deacon. And we go, well, what is that? Well, that's just what we told you that you're supposed to do. You get baptized, you get saved, you get baptized, and you're an usher or a greeter. And we, try, we, we oftentimes fail in truly equipping the church and where God has wired us to be. And so this morning, over the next three weeks, I'm going to just dive into some of these things. Hopefully, many of you received an email or maybe you saw the Facebook post of, of taking a spiritual gifts test. Some of you are like, that's really weird and that's different. And I understand all that. All that is, is a tool to help you see just a little bit. It's going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. If you've not done it, or if you're like, I don't even know what email is, get with us. We will get you some, we'll get you some of those things and we will try to help you through that process. But again, all that it is is a tool. It's something that you can look at. You can kind of get a basic gauge. Oh, wow, and I can see that in myself, and I can see that in myself, and maybe, maybe I would like to do this, or maybe there's something that God has, me, has for me in that area, and that's all that it is. It's a simple tool. That doesn't mean you have to come to church next week and go, Pastor, I took the spiritual gifts test, and it says that I'm a pastor shepherd, and um, I don't know what you're doing up there. I will let you know that is great, um, and the door is out that, no, I'm just kidding. But no, it's a tool for you to use, just to, to begin to kind of see a little bit as to, to where you are. Romans chapter number 12, we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 8 this morning, and then we'll kind of continue on through some of this teaching of the gifts that God has given to us. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And it continues on, let love be without dissimulation, and so on and so forth. But we're going to stop there in verse number 8. I'm going to tackle a few things as we get into this, and as I believe that are the foundational thoughts of um, some of the, the gifts that God has given to us. And then we'll dive right into uh, three of the gifts this morning and uh, continue through this series. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given to us again. We thank you for the opportunity to worship and to be together. Lord, I pray 
that your word would, would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that our hearts would be open to what you have for us to hear today and that we would act upon those things. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I believe that there's a foundational pieces there in verses 3 and 4 where it says through the grace given unto me. So we looked at that kind of briefly already that it's God's grace that's given us gifts. But it says this, that to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. If we were to go back and begin to teach really verse by verse through a lot of this, Paul was dealing with a group of people and they were thinking that their gift was more important than the next gift, which is more important than the next gift. And Paul's saying, whoa, time out. It's not that you think more highly of yourself. This is just one of the ways that God has wired you to serve inside of the body. And he begins to kind of teach through some of those things. Paul himself in 1 Timothy, kind of said, he said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Think about some of those things that God, I, I've said this so many times, that God called me and counted me faithful to be put into ministry. I scratch my head and say, What is wrong with a God that would think I am worthy to serve him? If you are a believer in this room, you should scratch your head and say, why would God entrust me to serve him in any way, shape, or form? That's just the reality of it. That's not me putting you down. Isaiah said, all of my righteousness are as filthy rags. The greatest thing that I can do are just as filthy rags that would be used in a hospital bed to clean the sores and the pus out of a sick, dying man. But yet he said, hey, Aaron, I have something for you. And he had something for each and every one of us who has called and who has given their lives to Jesus to say, God, I am going to take my life off of the throne and I'm going to put you on the throne. I need you to be my savior, you to be my Lord. I'm going to have you do this. And he said, hey, I have something for you. He gave you the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you and he gifted you in, search, in a, such a manner that he would call you to serve in some way, shape, or form. But he calls us to be humble that my service is no more important than your service. Think about that. That my service is no more important than your service. Many of you would sit and say, well, that you're the pastor, you're the most important. No, not at all. Because the reality is this, minus many of you that sit in the room that do the giftings that God has called you to do, this doesn't even happen. It doesn't happen. The body is many members. And so as we go through these things and we look at it, it's a humility. And it's the, the, that humility upon pr- approaching the gifts that God has given to us that we would be humble and serve God with a humility. So this morning, we're going to look at three gifts, and I'm going to kind of teach through some of them, and I'm sure that uh, there's a lot more that could be added or taken away or whatever it is, but I pray that uh, each one of these would be, uh, that we would grow in it, that we would understand it, and let me just say this, I'm very well aware of what's going on here. There's three gifts. There's going to be some of you in this room that are going to go, up, check, I can sleep for the next five minutes because he's not talking about me. But let me encourage you, let me help you. All of us have a portion of all of these things in us. We have strengths differing, but at the same time, we need all of that inside of this body. 
And so don't just tune out. Don't just check out and go, well, I'm not that. But allow yourself to grow and how you would be used by God inside of the body of Christ and where He has placed you. The first one is this, prophecy. The first one is prophecy. If we were to go to this passage of Scripture, it says in verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Oftentimes when we look at this particular one, I don't know about you, but I always think of, you know, you go back to the Old Testament and the prophets gave prophecy, right? And so some prophet is going to proclaim this is what's going to take place in 10 years and 100 years and whatever it is. And yes, that was a time in the Old Testament where God spoke to men to present the prophecy of God. And so what was going to take place? And no, that is not what takes place today, for that is not. However, it is this. Prophecy is forthtelling. It is speaking forth the mind of God, typically done in a form of preaching and speaking and teaching God's word. Prophecy refers to declaring things hidden to the natural mind, declaring the hidden secrets of God's word. I believe with everything in me that there are men of God, there are people that speak the word of God, that pull out because God has given it to them to present it to the body of Christ. That is not that they're telling you what's going to happen in 20 years or when Jesus is coming back. Those people have lost their mind. This is the proclaiming of the Word of God. It's the proclaiming of the Word of God. It's, it's taking the things that are hidden and bringing it forth. Everybody that sits in this room that knows Jesus Christ as Savior has the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And when you read Scripture, the Holy Spirit can speak to you through the Scriptures. But some of you have the gift that you begin to see and understand a little bit deeper and different. And those are ones that present and prepare and, and pre- pre- what is Billy Madison says today but anyway um, I just gave a Billy Madison quote we should probably delete that Um, we'll go here Um, wow I've said a lot of dumb things I've never done a Billy Madison quote all right Dan, you know where to edit. Um, But we are presenting the hidden secrets of God. And again, there are many who have the gift that that are able to, to share and discern the Word of God, bringing it forth to reveal things to us that we may never have seen before. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. First Peter 4 and 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We're, we're looking at these thoughts, and, and again, as we speak, or one that would prophesy, that would speak before, they are lifting up men in edification, they are exhorting them, they are bringing comfort of God's word. When God, think about this too, when God called Moses, what did Moses do? He said, you've lost your mind, I'm slow of speech and I'm slow tongue. I can't do this, but what did God tell him? I will give you those words. Moses came back to God and said, I can't do this. God came back to Moses and he said, your brother Aaron can speak. At some point, I'm thinking God was like, hey, listen, I'm trying to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to help you out. 
Jeremiah, the same thing in Jeremiah 1. What did he say? Behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. The Lord said, Whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. When we look at these things, you say, why would you bring that out? Because if God has given to us some of those gifts, God will use you because he will speak through you to do what he has called you to do. We see that time and time again. God speaks through you and I. And if you have the gift of prophecy, you discern you speak, you are as a mouthpiece of God. All of us are a mouthpiece of God, but with this gift, it's a, again, as we read and understand and discern God's giftings, God enables you to understand His Word. God has used different spokesmen all throughout the times to instruct and admonish and to warn and rebuke, to correct, to challenge, to comfort and encourage. With this, let me share with each one of these, I'll be given some of these kind of the pros and cons of this. With this, those of us, prophecy is one of, of my top gifts, I guess you would say, in the top tier of whatever. But with that comes pros and cons. If some of you sit in this room as, a pro, as one that would say you have a gift of prophecy, oftentimes you are, one, you have a strong sense of duty. And again, these are generalities, it's, but it says you have a strong sense of duty. It says you are very opinionated. If you know me, I probably have a strong opinion on certain things. Uh, you are impatient at times. And you're at times, and this, this may sound whatever, but you are at times more depressed. And you have a more serious tone about you, about life, because of how we see things. Because we oftentimes look into that. When I talk to people, or when you talk to people as somebody that may have that gift of prophecy, you begin to see into it. You look into, and you're discerning the thoughts. You're looking deeper into the conversation than what's being said. And with that, you begin to, I, you have a sense of, of sin, right and wrong. You discern those things. And so as you do that, naturally there's a portion of that. If you allow yourself to become out of balance, you become opinionated. You become discouraged because everything looks down. You have to be in that balance. But there's so many awesome things. Before we go into the next, what I'm going to do with each one of these is give different areas that you may be able to serve if this is something that is, is for you. One of the things with the prophets, with those that have the gift of prophecy, is Pastor Shepherd. However, all of these can determine... When we look at, hey, I have a gift of prophecy. But if you have a gift of prophecy and some of your other gifts, but you have zero mercy, then you probably should not be a pastor. Does that make sense? Like, I can tell you what's going on in your life, but I'm just a really jerk about it, right? <laughs> uh, one of the things I've always struggled with, I'm very point blank. It's pretty much black and white. And so I have a hard time at times when I say things to people I've had to really work through that over my adult life working with people. Can you imagine that? When you work with people and it's pretty much black and white, you have to be wise in how you say it because you will easily step on toes and destroy somebody. So if you have zero mercy having that gift of prophecy, there are certain things you have to be aware of as to how you use it. But at any rate, problem solving. 
often teaching, counseling, especially as it concerns areas of awareness in one's life. Oftentimes you would desire to promote causes that you believe in. You would stand up for those who have been wrong. You may have the intention of of planning out events, of initiating action. At Oasis, there's some of these things that it's a constant work. We're striving to do more of some of these things. But here, there's areas that we could uh, use you. There's areas of counseling that could be used. Maybe it's marital. Maybe it's premarital. Maybe it's other forms of counseling. Working and leading people and leading groups. Leading missions groups. As well as working for different organizations that pertain to the causes that you desire to stand up for. There's many things that you can do within that gift of prophecy. Maybe you would say you're unsure if you have that or where that it may rank in your list of gifts. And again, as you begin to grow in God and seek God as He shows you those things, that gift there of prophecy. The next one that we're going to talk about this morning is that of teaching. That of teaching. Again, here in Romans chapter 12, in verse number 6, it says, it mentions that of, of the gift of prophecy, whether prophesying, let us prophesy. In verse number 7, it says, our ministry, let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching. I'll be really honest, if there was one of the gifts that I've probably always kind of been envious of, it would be that of teaching. I've always, I shouldn't say always, because when I was a teenager, I really could have cared less about the person standing in front of me, right? How many of you? Um... But the older that I got, I really had a, uh, I, I began to have a greater understanding and a greater uh, appreciation of the teacher that would stand in front of me. I began to see the, the wisdom that was there. I began to see some of the depths of what a teacher can bring. I don't know about you, but there are certain subjects in school that I, to this day, really could care less about. One of them is science. Some of you would be like, oh, science is the coolest. I'll be real honest. Science is probably the coolest of all the subjects, but I never had a teacher that made me interested in science. So as I went through school, it was just like, hey, that's cool. Who cares? Like, I think things that blow up are really neat. But I could care less how it blows up or why it blows up. I just want to see it blow up. A lot of that is based on the education of a teacher. History. When I was in school, I had one good history teacher. He taught Ohio history. Do you know the only history that I know? Ohio history. I'm just being honest. I didn't have great history. So to history, history to me was what? Probably what it is to many of you. In 1352... I don't care what happened in 1352. Do you know why? Nobody interested me in that. Now, the older that I got, I began to understand because history is really neat, because it was based on history that we have what we have and blah, 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 blah. So history has been more interesting to me as an adult than it ever was as a child because no teacher ever brought me to a place and said, that is awesome and I want to learn it. There is something amazing about a teacher who can captivate a group of people over a specific subject and make you desire to learn and know more about it. There's something special about that. Whether it's the Word of God or it's a specific subject, but there's something special about a man or a woman that would have the gift to teach people in this regard. When we look at this, God's Word is pretty clear. 
2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many, what does it say? Maybe if I get it. This is, <laughs> that's horrible. I've done too much standing up here and talking this morning. 2 Timothy 2, 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. How do we have scriptures today? How do we have an understanding of anything that we have? It was through teachers, well, obviously God, but it was through teachers all throughout history that taught the principles of God's word. How did God, what did God do to begin the church? Jesus Christ walked and talked. He had three and a half years of ministry. Think about that. Three and a half years of ministry. And in that time, he poured into 12 men's lives. And what did he do? He taught them. And he taught them, and he taught them, and he taught them, and he taught them. And what did they do? They took those things. Acts 2 says that it was those, they, they studied, they learned the apostles' doctrines. They, they studied all of the things that the apostles put together, and we now have a church. Why? Because teachers taught. And so as we go through all of these things, Paul was a teacher, Apollos, Alexander, Jesus was the greatest of all teachers. They were master teachers is what this says. We owe so much to the great teachers of God's word, but to so many other things. A teacher is often organized. This is where I really, really have an issue with teaching. They love the depths of what they study. If I were to go back to prophecy, which I have a portion of that, it says that they don't like deep study. I have... For a long time, I, I, I'm publicly admitting my sins. I am envious of people that can dive into the deepest of deepest of deepest of the depths of certain subjects. I'm envious of it. I sit down for five minutes, I forgot what I read. But I do it every day. I've disciplined myself in study. But I'm envious of those that just naturally get into the depths of what that is they love that subject and they continue to go deeper and deeper another thing that a teacher is able to do a great teacher has a creative manner in how they present the most boring of subjects to you in their creative way they can take something that you would go oh my and they can twist it and make you desire to know it And as we look at those different things, on the flip side of that, a great teacher is easily critical of others who may not feel as strong as they feel about that, or they don't go into the depth that you would prefer that they would go into. So you sit in here, and you may be a teacher, and this is, this is you, and you may sit here and go, Pastor, you're not as deep as you need to be. I try to at times, but why? Because that's... Those are the nuances, the pros and the cons of where we sit as, as the gifts that God has given to us. Just because you're a great teacher, though, does not make you maybe a great Sunday school teacher or a life group leader. That's where we use other people around us. There's people that are great teachers, but they may not be the best at shepherding and bringing people together in that regard. Again, it's how God would wire us and how God would use us. We have to begin to study through and know God's word and know where we are in that. At Oasis, there's many things that, that maybe you could use that gift of teaching. Maybe it is through life groups. 
Maybe it is through Bible studies. Maybe it is through teaching children. I've said this many times. We are constantly striving to grow our life groups. We are constantly striving to, to have different Bible studies here. Maybe you would say, I don't know. I don't, there's, there's one Bible study at 9.30, and, and I, I'm aware of that. Some of that's based on space. Some of that's other things. But when we look at that, there's, there's those types of things. We have the life groups. We, we have different things of that nature. And maybe you would say, well, where else could I teach? There's already those. One, we need more life group leaders. But I would say this. I have a building that is open at least five days a week, and there's none of them that are used during the week. Maybe you would say, hey, I would love to teach a Bible study on Tuesday morning, on Tuesday afternoon, on Thursday morning, on whatever it is, and you would, you would come to us, and obviously aligning doctrinally, I'm not just going to be like, oh, hey, I have the gift of teaching, and I want to do this. Well, there's more to that, obviously. But as we do those things, there's avenues. Hey, you know what? Maybe you have a gift of teaching and you would say, I don't, my gift isn't in teaching the Word of God, but I, I would love to teach in English as a second language and reach our community. Maybe you would say, I have other expertise that would be impactful to our community. I think of this. There's people that come into our doors on a, almost a daily basis that would say, um, I need help. I need financial help. I need help paying my bills. I need help getting housing. I need help trying to figure out how I can get a job, but yet I have children and I can't afford to pay a child care. Maybe you would say I have expertise and I'm a teacher, but I also am knowledgeable of the system. And we could provide a class to a community of people that need to figure out how do they get help from the system. And we can teach that in a biblical manner and loving the people in our community. There's so many different avenues, and that doesn't mean, and this is, this is what I love about this, this whole study. It's not me, the church, providing you with the options to do it. Sometimes it's you coming to me and saying, this is my passion, I have this idea, can we sit down over that? Does that make sense? Because you may have a passion, and I've never known that you had a passion, and then you get mad at me because I didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> so some of what we're doing, some of these things I'm throwing out there. We don't have a counseling team for married councils or married and pre-married. I would love for you to be a part of that. I would love to do it English as a second language. I can't. I don't know a second language. Or a first language, whatever. <laughs> You get it. So there's all these things. The next thought this morning, and we'll wrap up. This last one, and this is something that I'm going to try to do with each one of these, is to make sure that I, we put in stuff that is really applicable to every person. And this last one, there is a gift of it, but there's also a practical point for every person that sits in this room, and that is the gift of evangelism. Every person in this room that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior has been called to evangelize. Period. There is no way that we can look at Scripture and say, well, I don't have to do that because of X, Y, or Z. We have all been called to go and to tell. Yes, some of you have the gift to open your mouth and somebody comes to know Jesus as Savior. Some of you have that. Others, it may be more of a difficult struggle to you, but nonetheless, we are still called to do it. 
And so as we look at this, it is a gift of God that when we begin to share, God opens hearts. In Acts, Philip is called an evangelist. In Ephesians 4, Paul says some are evangelists. In 2 Timothy 4, Timothy is told to do the work of an evangelist. We are all called to proclaim the good news. And I would say that that is extremely important all throughout the New Testament because God mentions in the New Testament more than 100 times the good news of Jesus Christ. That phrase, the good news, and whether it's called the proclam, whether we are to proclaim the good news or he's speaking of the good news being the gospel is mentioned more than 100 times throughout the New Testament. That to me says that's important. And so we are to proclaim the Word of God, and we are to proclaim that to others that do not know. The work of an evangelist is to preach and explain the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ to those who do not know Him. Today, some of you have the gift of evangelism. I would ask you this, are you tapping into that gift? Are you sharing and preaching the good news? Again, an evangelist is not just somebody that stands and travels all across the country and speaks before a group of people. No. I would say some of those that do that don't even have the gift of evangelism. They just like to speak before people because they're a great personality. There's a big difference. So as we look at this, these passages of Scripture and we look at all these things, what is an evangelist? Well, if we were to go to the New Testament and begin to study through and look what an evangelist is, an evangelist isn't one that would come down and say, hey, I'm going to share with you about Jesus and I'm going to lead you to Jesus Christ and then I'm going to walk over here and go to somebody else. See, in the New Testament, somebody would come and they would lead somebody to Christ and then they would stay with them and they would build them and they would grow them and they would walk with them and when they were prepared and ready, then they would go over here. See, in our culture, and I don't know if this is just an American culture, I don't know what this is, but inside of our culture, we say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, and say this prayer, and let me lead you to Jesus, and then let me get you baptized, and then, hey, let me do this, and then, hey, and then we run around, and we do this, and we say, look, I've, I've, I've led 500 people to the Lord this week, or this year, or whatever it is, and that's awesome, high five. Let me ask you this question. Did you help them grow to stand on their own? An evangelist throughout Scripture wasn't just somebody that led you to the Lord, but led you to the Lord and walked with you in the Lord so that you were ready to go on your own. We as a church at Oasis and the church in general, I believe, has done a very poor job of leading people but then walking with them. The walking part we've done a poor job of. And so as we go through these thoughts and this stuff of Man, some people would go, man, that, an evangelist is awesome. They're leading people to the Lord, and, da, 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 and they are. That is amazing. We need evangelists in this room. I need people like that in our church. We need it. Because you know who those people are? Those are the people that are greeting people at the door. Because they're the ones that are like, hey, 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 hey. They're excited. They want to talk to the wall. They don't care. They just want to talk. Right? If you're an evangelist, you would say, no, I have that gift. I genuinely have that gift. You would stand up and you would say, no, I like to talk. Because how do you lead somebody to the Lord? You have to talk. That's just a part of it. 
And so as we go through these things, we need that. But you know what we also need is we need to follow up with that and walk with them to allow them to stand on their own. How might an evangelist struggle? See, an evangelist would struggle like this because they would say, I won 25 people today. How many did you win? It becomes a number. It becomes a number. Everybody is a prospect. So now I'm looking at people and I'm going, okay, prospect, 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 prospect. No, not as people that Jesus loves. Everything's becoming a prospect. You are now a prospect to me. And when you become a prospect to somebody, that's a problem. But in our evangelist mind, because it's all, man, I got to go win somebody. I got to go win somebody. I got to go win somebody. As opposed to allowing God to use you in great conversations everywhere that you go. And so this morning as we wrap up, there's several different challenges that can come out of today. I understand that every gift that we looked at may not affect you. Some of you may go, I really don't know what that gift is. I'm not certain of what that is. And that's okay. That's why we're doing some of this. That's why I'm encouraging you to take those tests. Even though you may not like to take tests. Take five, ten minutes. Answer some of those questions and allow that to be a tool that you can use to look into your life as a believer. And then begin to pray and grow in those areas. Let me ask you this and let me challenge you in this. Maybe you would sit here and you would say, One of my gifts is that of evangelism. What can I do at Oasis? Well, one I mentioned some, I mentioned one of them very simply. Greeting. You like to talk to people. You love to get in conversations. Go and greet. Stand at the door. Smile. Stand in the auditorium. And as people are coming in, engage in those conversations with people that you don't know. Begin to do those things. One of the things that we do that is so easy, and so, I shouldn't say it's so easy, but we, we have these, they're sitting on your chair, those little invite cards. You know, the greatest tool that the church has is, well, God, but you. The greatest evangelism program that any church can have is not Tuesday night soul winning. It's every day you live, you soul win. That's it. The greatest evangelistic program that the church can have is you going everywhere that you go and loving Jesus and allowing that outflow to pour out of you and just love on people. Do we need to do better at Oasis and outreach? Yes, I believe that we do. I believe every church does, probably. But I'll just be honest, we do. We need to do better. And whether that's choosing a night where we go, I don't know if that's the right way or not the right way. But regardless of what it is, we need to do better. We need to visit guests, and we need to do better at that. We need to visit those that are members or regular attenders of our church who have been sick or who have not been here for several weeks. We need to do better at that. There's areas that we can do better, absolutely. And I need you to do that with me. We have big days. We have simple ways that you can go. You can get get stacks of those cards and pass them out all around your neighborhoods or wherever it would be. 
In the next several weeks, we're going to have a wall with different ways that you can do some of those things in your community. But just grab it as you leave and invite ways of outreach. But that's something that everybody in this room needs to be about. Whether you're gifted in that way or you're not. My challenge to you would be this when it comes to evangelism. You may be, being honest, like me. Evangelism is not high on my gifts. As much as I like to scream and shout from up here, I, don't, I, I love to talk to people, but I don't, I'm not, that's, it's honestly not my personality gift. But I do take those and I pray over them. God, would you give me one person to invite? So maybe for you it's once a month. Maybe it's once a week. God, would you, I'm going to take this, I'm going to put it in my pocket, I'm going to put it in my Bible, wherever I'm going to remember it. I'm going to pray over this card, and God, everywhere I go, if you would just make one person very clear that this is what I need to do. And do that. We can all do that. This morning, as I wrap up and we close out this morning, let me say this. Some of you may have sat through this entire sermon and the reality is you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And you're trying to figure out what I'm even talking about. I get that today's message isn't bombastic and it's not, um, it's not that it's not evangelistic, but it's not just plain out sharing the gospel through, through Scripture. But I would challenge you and I would say this to you. God created you to have relationship with Him. And if you do not know Christ as Savior, He is sitting there waiting with His hands open to say, I just want you. He doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want anything. He just wants you. He loved you so much that He gave His Son to die for you and he wants you and so I would ask you that question this morning are you could you say pastor I am in a personal relationship with God I know him or maybe you would say I I don't know that I'm in a relationship with God thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis online if this message was an encouragement to you would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.